This is the In Search More podcast, and I will see you on the other side. All right, so get this. I think you're going to enjoy this one, Ryan. I think so. Because when I, when, I, when, I, when I got this, when this came to me, I didn't, I didn't hear this from anyone else. When this came to me, I was like, boom. It's just, it felt so real, and I've shared it with others. And I, it's just, this is from experience, right? This is all straight from experience. So when I think today about watching porn, I'm like, no, no, I don't want to go there, right? Or a- any addictive stuff, right? For me, right, sex addiction and the many manifesta- manifestations of sex addiction, that was my drug of choice. I talk about porn, but there's a lot of ways to get lost in the addiction to sex. So you know what I think about now when I say I don't want to go there? Like what's the, what's the fire that burns is... I hate to say this, my wife is listening to me, but it's not, it's, it's not that. It's not that I'm going to get caught or I'm going to hurt the relationship. That's part of it, for sure. But that's not the main reason I, I stay away from that. And the reason I say it's not the main reason is because I need a reason that's beyond my relationship. I needed to get sober when I was single. So while that's, yeah, sure, I want to be a good dad and I want to be a good husband and I want to be a faithful one, the number one burn, the reason of all reasons why I want to stay sober is because when I act out, I get numb. And that feeling of numb is not something I ever want to experience again. It's walking through life as in a bubble. And I was in that state of numb for so many years. And then anyone who comes into addiction, they're pretty much in the state of numb. I remember speaking to someone who, as, um, as part of the work, he was, he was someone I was sponsoring. And I said to him, Hey, why don't you start by writing out your story? So he does that, and that's the way I was taught. Same thing. I'm going to get to know this person. They're going to be my sponsor. I'm going to write out my story, and I'm actually going to share my story with the rest of the people in the group as a way for them to get to know me. I'm not just, hey, who is this guy who's showing up? You're going to hear my story in a 15 to 20-minute format, and um, also as a way to decrease shame, right, because I'm going to insert some of those things in the story that caused me a lot of shame. I'm first going to share it with my sponsor and then share it with a larger group. Anyway, so I asked him to do that with me. Write out your story and we'll go through it in preparation for him sharing it with the group. And I've never heard, I've never heard abuse like I heard in this guy's story. Just sexual abuse. Well, a lot of physical and psychological abuse, but I'm referring specifically to the sexual abuse. And it was just, it was freaking insane. And I'm sitting there reading it and I'm talking to him about it. And no emotion. None. From the guy. The guy. Zero. And I, I'm reading this story. And I'm like, dude, how did, you, how did you go through that? And yes, I was shocked now, but I wasn't much different. So a lot of, you know, sometimes, yes, there's emotions like fear that come up from it. Those, that emotion can somehow penetrate. Fear and anger somehow penetrate numbness. I don't know why exactly. Like those two seem to just like, doesn't mm-hmm. matter how numb we get. We can still right. <laughs> sometimes kind of get angry. <laughs> Or afraid. But there wasn't, like what you expect, some sadness, maybe some disgust at the people who were there. Some of the people were still in his life. He, he spoke about this story with about as much passion as someone talking about the weather from a few weeks ago. Wow. Why is that? Why the lack of that emotion? So the reason is, is because through his addiction, he's numbed himself so much. And that's oftentimes why 
we do a lot of what we do when we're running away, when we're escaping, when we're avoiding. And addiction, I use addiction, but we all do it. Addiction is just the exaggerated version of it. But we're all doing, we all do this in some way. When we have some pain, we can either lean in and deal with it, but if we're not leaning and dealing with it, which is a healthy way, then oftentimes, then in some way we're numbing it. And then the very extreme ways of numbing it are with a very extreme form of addiction, right? So someone who's gambling constantly or someone who's drinking constantly, a lot of what they're doing is numbing that pain. And as the pain comes back up, numb it again. Numb it again, numb it again. And I shouldn't say that um, fear and anger aren't affected by this. Of course, it'll be reduced. What I meant is you'll rarely see sadness penetrate at all through numbness. But fear and anger manage to penetrate a little bit. But it's still decreased wildly because of an addiction. Anyway, so this is what I've, what I've learned, both for myself and in working with others, is that the emotions have to go through the same pathway that they were created in. So what do I mean by that? If someone's numb and we strip away the numbness, oftentimes, especially with a guy, with a man, what we'll find is anger underneath numbness, a lot of anger. And if we get through the anger, then we can get off into the sadness or the grief that existed before. And what I found from this is that anger is not really a primary emotion. A child doesn't get neglected and go straight to anger. That's not the emotion. That's not the pathway. The pathway is a child gets afraid or sad when they're left alone or abandoned or neglected or abused or, you know, fill in the blank. A certain sadness forms. That sadness can, a lot of sadness can turn into grief. That grief is unattended to by the child or any of their caregivers. So they start getting angry at their caregivers and everyone else. And then the anger oftentimes becomes expressed in a way in ways that are not okay at all, right? People get scared when we when we express our anger. So then and we get scared when we express our anger, frankly. When we see some of the anger come out of us, we're like, whoa, I didn't know that was side that we get scared of it. And so do the people around us. And it's like, hey, that's not okay, right? We learn very quickly, hey, you can't do that. Don't express that. So what do we do? We numb it. So even though the core feeling is grief or sadness, and in order to heal, we got to get back to the grief or sadness. This is kind of the central point I'm driving to, is if we want to get there, we got to go back through the pathway of the emotions that we stacked. So on top of sadness and grief, we stacked anger, and then we stack numbness, then as we peel away the numbness, we're going to have to go to the anger and then to the grief. So even though the goal is to get to the grief, sometimes we got to get through the anger. So when I'm working with someone now, and like this gentleman, I'm like, okay, right? I know that inside this guy is, he's numb. He's sharing the story. You're like, wow, weren't you, were you sad? Were, can you grieve for that little boy? You can't get to the grief. The grief is not accessible because on top of the grief, is anger. So if you want to get there, first, you're going to start seeing anger. And that's all of a sudden what starts happening. And where a lot of people get scared of the healing, frankly. You know, some people go to therapy, 
And it's like, this isn't working. Like, why am I pissed off? Or a yeah, spouse can go to therapy or a child can go to therapy. And what they're hoping is, okay, this kid's addicted to alcohol or something else is going on. He's playing video games all day. I'm going to send him to therapy. And he's going to come back and be a good little boy. Right. <laughs> or a good little husband or a good little girl, whatever it is. And instead, we see an angry right an angry dude and it's like what's going on that's part of the healing process because yes eventually the mother load is almost always grief we gotta grieve for the um for the loss right so much of what um i think we experience when we're healing childhood trauma is when we go back there and like wow if i experience that i lost my childhood and i'm not getting it back and there's a a grieving that sets in. We just, we grieve for that little boy that didn't have a childhood or didn't have that period of childhood or didn't have a childhood in that way or had that loss. And the reason why I'm saying didn't have a childhood is because the word grief is often associated with loss. When we talk about trauma, we're also talking about loss. When I think about what I went through being sexually abused from the ages of eight to 10, then that becoming something I can't share with anyone and not dealing with it until my 20s, oftentimes the way I express it is that this guy robbed me of my childhood. That's right from that day on, and not that everything was perfect before, I talk about that in other episodes, but from that day on, there was a robbing of my innocence, a robbing of the um, purity, the trust, that childhood that you want in a child. And that's gone, and that has to be grieved. But we can't always get there. Not we can't. We can almost. I don't know that we could. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we can never get there unless we're willing to go through the path of the anger or what the numbness, whatever emotions we stacked on it. We got to go through there and then eventually get to the grief. What do you think about that? That's powerful, man. And and it definitely landed. I think about um, even the example you gave about a child being uh, like neglected. And then, so like <clears throat> in, with me doing the work, anger was definitely the tip of the spear for me. Um, what was before the anger? What word did you have for it? Uh, resentment was a word I had um, towards my caregivers, <laughs> right? So- But who, I, I mean, before that, before you started doing the work, when mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I see you when I met you 10 years ago. I didn't see the anger. I didn't see the resentment. Mm. I saw more of the too cool to care. Yeah, for sure. Definitely was kind of pushed it off, um, acted like it wasn't a, a part of who I am and something that I struggled with. Yeah, because I didn't want to deal with it. Whatever. Right? Yeah. That's the, it happens. I got the whatever attitude. Yeah, it's whatever. And, and that whatever to an extreme, mm -hmm. that's the numbness. Right, right, right. But... A little before that extreme numbness of walking around, I'm just whatever. Yeah. And cool and, and it's 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 tragic, right? Because you're devaluing something that can be so important um, as a lesson, as a tool, as a as a, a roadmap for healing you and you know other people you come in contact with, your kids, so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, I definitely kind of looked at my childhood trauma as like, yeah, it happens, you know, nothing special here. It is what it is. Tough luck, you know, 
Um, and then once I started doing the work, I realized, first of all, I realized my anger was like ridiculously misguided. So like for my entire life, I thought I was like angry at one parent. Like I was sure it's like this one parent was the reason for me being angry. And then when I started doing the work, I realized like, oh man, it's, it's actually both parents, both parents. Right. And, um, and that just kind of blew my mind and it allowed me to kind of surrender to the possibility of like actually addressing this. So, so how did you miss that? How did you in your, cause what you're saying is mm -hmm. that in your mind you had one thought, right? But in your body you had a different experience, right? right? Meaning in my mind, I'm only angry at one parent, mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it, the anger lives in me and my body, it's, and their anger towards both. So where did the disconnect happen that your body and mind were singing different songs? I think one parent was easier to blame than another one. That's kind of where it started. So almost like one parent became sort of like the scapegoat as, as you know, cause they were, were guilty of things for sure. Right. So that kind of got played up and, and um, it was easy to point out. The other parent had stuff that I couldn't see, that I didn't see, you know, because, like, for example, like manipulation as a child, like there was, there was some manipulation that happened, a lot of manip manipulation that happened that I didn't see it, I couldn't even, it wasn't even a thing for me as a kid, right? But I was sort of getting played between two parents. So if it wasn't there, then how, when you started working on yourself, did it come there? Where did it come from? First, the work that it kind of allowed me to to get back into my body, first of all, get out of my head, get into my body and revisit that feeling that like ground floor. Like, what do you feel? Not what do you not not what I thought I felt or, you know, like just kind of sitting with it and, and and actually, like I said, being open to. To feeling it again and then kind of working backwards from there, so. Um, once that started happening, I was able to sort of draw the line and like, I started getting revelations and feeling like, like the, these aha moments that were around me all the time kind of was shrouded in just like, oh, whatever, didn't care or anger or, you know, so I missed the gems that were there that was like, you know, would allow me to actually just heal a lot of this stuff and address a lot of this stuff in a productive way. So I think just yeah, just getting back into my body was was um was what kind of helped me bridge that gap, if you will. So as that anger and resentment starts coming up, what did you what did you do with it? How did you or did you understand that this was a necessary part of the healing process? Because it's often uncomfortable and again and scary for the people around us when we start accessing that anger. Yeah. So to be full transparency, man, I'm still working on it, right? So, um, now that I have like a more complete picture of what I was feeling and the things I went through, and I'm able to look at it through a different perspective, even just the lens of adulthood and a parent, like I'm able to look at things differently. I'm still working on it every day. And it's hard. It's really hard because for me, sort of like the, the, the anger has kind of shifted from one parent to another, um, and like, you know, like I talked to my wife about this and, um, for me, like 
resentment is sort of like the energy, if you will, that I lived with from as long as I can remember. And over the years, it manifested and morphed and it evolved into these different things. One of those is like, we don't ever have to talk and I'm okay. And I'm comfortable not ever talking to you, but thinking like, oh, that's just how I am. But it was resentment towards having any sort of dialogue with, with, with one of my parents that like just didn't want to do it. But in my mind, I thought it was like, oh, just whatever. We just, you're, 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 your parent, I'm a kid, you don't get it. Like, there's no need to go there. We say, that's how I am. Like, that's, that's how your, I am. That's yeah. your personality. You don't understand me. Like, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm out in the world. So, many. that's how I am. I'm not going to have a relationship with you. Right. That's how I am. I don't need to have a relationship right. with you. I'm good. I'm on my own. Read that quote you said earlier. Yeah. So, um, there's a quote, a really powerful quote that says, uh, trauma in a person decontextualized over time can look like personality. Trauma in a family decontextualized over time can look like family traits. Trauma in a people decontextualized over time can look like culture. So, that's, that's right, powerful. when you're talking about that, you're saying that uh, first part of it, right? Trauma in a person decontextualized over time can look like personality. Oh, that's my personality. I don't care mm -hmm. about relationships. 100%. Uh, yeah, it's it's so powerful and so true. Yeah, just don't have context to these things. Yeah, it just looks like that's who you are, but not really, not really, you know. And I love the way the, the that quote expands on a people too. Like we think, like for sure, especially being like a black man in America, there's like certain things that 100% are pinned to culture that has nothing to do with culture, you know, and it wasn't until later in life I realized it, you know, and, um, right. That's just a lot of people traumatized in the same way, doing the same mm -hmm. thing. For sure. For yeah, they, sure. they talk about it with, um, like Eastern European Jews, you'll go to their house and they'll feed you a ton. Right. Mm. And Joe's like, you know, we're not running out of food. There's no famine. I, maybe now we are. It's 2022 crazy stuff's happening, but, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but coming from that culture, they say, so I grew up, my mom's not Eastern European. And we didn't have that culture in my house of overfeeding. My mom would make, let's say, 10 potatoes, say, you know, potatoes and meat, right? And at the end of the meal, nine were eaten. She's like, I made one extra potato. Right. And in an Eastern European house, that would be like, probably all 10 kids wanted two more potatoes. And they were all ashamed. That's why we only left one. So next time I'm going to make 30. Gotcha. Right. There's <laughs> just a different, but it was just that idea of how, that, oh, that's her personality. No, it's not. That's a lot of people who starved. Right. And we're so worried about this being their last meal that they just packed it in a little bit. Yeah, and for me, I can, like, a, a blaring example of trauma decontextualizes just, and I've talked to you about this before, where, like, if, as a black man, like, if I see, like, any other race, right, like, I'm, like, a stranger, like, a white guy across the street, look at him, it's cool. If I see, for a long time, if I see, and there's, this is like ingrained in the culture, right? But if I see another black man, like immediately my posture change, changes. Like um, I get defensive, mean mugging, like anger, essentially. Is it someone you know or someone you don't know? Stranger. A stranger. So you're defensive. Walking down ready the street. For, ready for battle. This guy is a danger. 
And I have to think that that's like just the trauma that makes me look at myself in the mirror when I see someone that looks like me and I get defensive and I get, you know, angry, essentially, immediately, complete stranger. He steps on my shoes. Oh, my God, forget about it. Right. Or if he gives me the same energy, forget about it. And I've I've had countless experiences where I've clashed with people instigate or not instigating because of just being in the same vicinity of someone. That, but they're really just a mirror. Right. Like it's really just my trauma being projected onto someone, someone else projecting their trauma. And we're just battling with, with stuff that we just never dealt with. And it's manifested in, I see you, you look like me, I'm mad at you. Really mad at myself, right? It's, it, the anger is really internal, um, like you said, and the grief, and it's been stacked. So for me to numb, I lash out. For me to numb, or me, for me to escape, I have to let you know that I'm not afraid of you when I see you, you know? And that I'm a bigger threat than you. And you're responding in accordance. And then we're just... We're, we're stuck in this cycle. And someone from the outside is looking at this and saying... Like, what is going that's on? That's the culture. Right. Right. You're saying that's not yeah. the culture. I've, no, I remember no, speaking no. to this one white guy and like we were talking and it's funny because it's almost like, like, like siblings, right? Like you'll see like siblings, like they'll be at war with each other. But if an outsider comes and try to like mess with one, it's like... Right. They go crazy. <laughs> so it was interesting because... He, I can punch him. You can't punch right, him. Right, right. Yeah. So, so we were talking one day. and I can punch him. You can't even look at him. Yeah, him. don't even go near my, my muscle. <laughs> yeah, so we were talking one day, and um, I forgot how we got there, but he said, like, he believes that, like, black people have, like, a, a genetic disposition to be more aggressive and angry. And hearing it from him, I was like, what are you talking about? Are you insane? You're telling me, like, I have some sort of gene that makes me more aggressive, more angry than you? Than anyone else? And he's like, yeah, that's what I believe. But he couldn't really believe that, right? Like, it has to be from perception. Just got to visit Jamaica. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it has to be that perception that every experience he's probably seen, you know, as a, as a culture, like, we act aggressively and angry for probably no reason, you know? And it's sad, and it's, it's definitely like a cancer. But you're not saying no reason. You're saying... There right. is a reason. There is a reason. Right, the right. context uh, of trauma, right? That's why I brought it Exactly, Jamaica, a decontextualized tra tra trauma that's there, for sure. Well, there may not be in that way, but certainly what I've heard about Jamaica <laughs> is people are quite relaxed and yeah. happy with that. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man. <laughs> Everything's so what I, cool. What I do want to um, say, just to wrap this topic up, because we promise to keep these short, is you did touch on something that I want to put um, into the next episode, where you spoke about your body having anger, mm -hmm but your mind not knowing that that was there, not admitting it was there because your mind was manipulated. And I want to do the next episode Let's do it. on that topic, that your mind can be played with, but your body never could. <laughs>